dear congregation of the Lord, we thought so far today, both in the preaching and with the sacrament of Lord's Supper, especially on John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Now, in this post-communion Thanksgiving service, we consider John 15, 14, and its context, where Jesus says further, you are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. And this is a word, congregation, not just for the disciples the night before Jesus' crucifixion, but it's for all people throughout all ages, including us here now, today. Having just now commemorated and celebrated the gospel, the gospel truth of John 15, 13, Shall we observe now the calling, the gospel calling for Christians as taught in John 15, 14? You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Our theme for this Thanksgiving sermon is being Jesus' friends. We consider how it shows, what it involves, and the blessings untold. Imagine this, dear congregation. Being told by Jesus, you are my friends. In the former service, we learned Jesus was willing to give his life for his friends. Jesus' friends are all those born again of God who, who trust and obey Christ Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Having given, given his all to save his people from their sins and to make his people a redeemed, reconciled, renewed people living to his praise in the way of holiness and godliness before him and our neighbor. In verse 10 already, you notice Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Well, this is always how it shows, beloved congregation, when you are Jesus' friends. You keep his commandments. If someone says he or she is saved and a friend of Jesus, but does not live by God's word, nor care to obey whatever he commands us in his word, well, then that person proves thereby not being saved at all and still a stranger to Christ. Still a lost, condemned rebel before God. Isn't it important for us to hear and know this and even heartily to agree with this? Over and over what our text teaches us is a truth repeated in all of Scripture. And yet so many seem to miss it. If we only look one chapter earlier at something spoken the same night by Jesus to his disciples in John 14, 15, Look there for a moment. Notice our text is John 15, 14. But in John 14, 15, we read similarly, Jesus saying, if you love me, keep my commandments. And now in our text, we read again, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. In, John 2, in 1 John 2, verse 3 to 6, we read and hear the apostle John say there along the same line, now by this we know that we know him that is, know the Lord, if we keep his commandments. He who says, 
I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, the love of God truly is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Dear congregation, today we hear of many who call themselves Christians and think they are on the way to heaven, but who care less about obeying God's word and will and whatever the Lord commands us therein, and who even live in express opposition, contrary to God's word and commandments. Such people, say it again, are simply deceiving themselves when thinking and believing they are saved because their lives prove they are not Christians. You can't say you love Jesus and follow him when you don't love Jesus and don't follow him. By their fruits you shall know them, Jesus says elsewhere. Those who are truly his friends and those who are yet his enemies, living in wicked rebellion and disobedience and sin. Oh, to be sure, this is not to say that true Christians don't ever stumble and fall in their lives. And that even among the holiest of us, there are still many sins and shortcomings in regards to obeying whatever God commands us in his word. Which true Christian also among us here will deny this? Many failings, alas, all too often still. Isn't this same what the Apostle Paul even confesses in Romans 7? That's still too many times. The good he would, he does not. And that which he hates, he yet does. That being so, however, still a true Christian and genuine friend of Jesus, the Savior of sinners, never excuses any disobedience on our part. But rather, by the grace of God and the working of the Holy Spirit in and through Jesus Christ, the true believer daily repents of any and all sin and prays God to help in the good fight of faith against all evil and heartily to live in humble and with sincere integrity in line with all that God commands us in all his commandments and all his holy word. As those two who have today here participated in the Lord's Supper, confessing Jesus dying for his friends, isn't this the fruit we may expect and what you also long for and pray for and strive for yourself, all being well. Namely, that when you and I are Jesus' friends, saved by God's grace and spirit, through faith in Jesus and his once-for-all sacrifice, that it shows in humble and broken-hearted, zealous care and prayer to live, not just in accordance to some of God's laws, but to all his commandments. It couldn't be clearer, could it? What Jesus says in our text, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Being Jesus' friends, how it shows, is clear. It's living by his commandments. Now we should realize John 15, 14 is not as much a conditional text as a descriptive text. Conditional would be, you are my friends if you only make sure you do keep the commandments. No, it's more a descriptive text. You are my friends, the kind who keeps my commandments. 
One commentator wrote, by constantly doing the will of Christ, his disciples and his followers obtain for themselves the assurance that they are his friends. It's in the way of keeping his commandments. So here, the question for application still is, isn't it? Are you and I resolved as confessing believers, also as communicant members of Christ's church here, to live godly and holy lives in line with all God's precepts and commandments? In this regard, won't it show, if we're serious about this, won't it show in us reading the Bible regularly and prayerfully, asking the Lord to lead us Yes, also to know his commandments and to learn more and more how to live by them. Not just a little bit, but increasingly. Praying daily for God so to lead us and to guide us by his word and spirit. This is the Christian life. Is this godly striving to live in humble and diligent obedience to all God's commandments, characteristic of you and of me on a daily basis, God helping us time and again. What is so beautiful and good to realize here, also from our text in John 15, 14, is how it follows right after John 15, 13. And we can learn from this always the motivation, congregation, and the compelling force and equipping to a life of holiness and obedience to all God's commandments is never, never just the law itself. Though the law is good, but it's not just the law. No, what drives and enables Christian obedience is not the law of God so much as the love of God. The love of God as revealed to us climactically in Christ the Savior. As one put it, writing to confessing believers, quote, stop and celebrate how God's willingness to pay the ultimate sacrifice in and through Christ for our salvation enables and energizes also our sacrifices to be acceptable to God. Putting this together, it's when we think of the riches of verse 13 that our hearts also get moved and motivated in the way of verse 14. Then you say, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my all. Isn't that right? You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Being Jesus' friends, how it shows. Our first point. Does this resonate with you? Do you say amen to it in your heart and life? Isn't it so that, in fact, a true Christian bought by the blood of Jesus can never again be or remain comfortable in the practice of any sin, any disobedience before God and our neighbor. Redeemed by Christ the Savior has us renewed and transformed by Him too, by His Word and Spirit. Is this your my conviction and confession of faith as well? Oh, you know, should we refuse this part of our sermon and text? You know what we're like then? We're like that wedding guest at the wedding feast that Jesus tells us about who was not wearing a wedding garment. You know that story. This, this guest, he looked for the perks of salvation but refused to take seriously the truths of salvation. He wanted Jesus as Savior but not as Lord. But we can't divide Jesus that way. And the Holy Spirit doesn't work that way when he saves sinners. 
And Jesus informs the wedding guest who was living a lie and was in fact still a son of the devil. We read in Matthew 22, verse 12 and following, that parable Jesus told with the king seeing that man at the feast without a wedding garment, the king said to him, friend, how did you come in here without a wedding guest, without a wedding garment? And we read, he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot, Take him away and cast him out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, may this Sunday, with the primary privilege again of being under the preached gospel word, and then plus also that, the secondary privilege of having, having this holy sacrament of Lord's Supper, may it have us all be found in Christ, in spirit and truth. Yes, bound up together in union with him by grace through faith and thus truly and steadfastly trusting and following this Jesus as only Savior and Lord in all our lives, doing whatever he commands. This is crucial, isn't it? In light of our text, how many in the visible churches in the world are like the man at the wedding feast, without a wedding garment? God forbid it be true of any among us in our congregation, in light of our text now, Jesus' words in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Being Jesus' friends, we have thought a little about how it shows we are or are not. Now let's consider in our second heading what it involves being Jesus' friends. And maybe here you're looking for me to give a whole list of do's and don'ts, but I'm not doing that at all. I'm rather going to give you principles and heart matters which come out of the text itself. Notice with me at least the following three details of what it involves being Jesus' friends and doing whatever he calls us to do. If you get these three details, you'll do whatever he calls us to do. For one, can you see with me from the text how what it involves, it involves fellowshipping for one with and rejoicing in the triune God of salvation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You find all three persons of the Trinity in our text passage very clearly. Look what the text says about those who are Jesus' friends who do his commandments. What special relationship they have for one with Jesus. Jesus says he doesn't call his people saved and sanctified by him and who trust him. He doesn't call them his servants, but what does he call them? His friends. And then Jesus expands on that in verse 15, saying, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? He's telling us his people who trust and obey him, to them he relates with such deep love and care. We are told everything that God the Father has made known. And we must understand that text to mean in regards to the salvation of sinners and for his provision for us in our every need. While that same, the Lord Jesus is out to share with his people who are his friends. God in Christ shows his people his heart of infinite love and care and endless provision for them in their every need for all this life and forevermore. In other words, congregation, there's no truth concerning God and his gospel way that Jesus keeps to himself. But he's ever out to share it and to teach it to us as helpful to us in this life here and now. 
as stated also in Psalter 402, based on Psalm 147. His statutes and his judgments, he makes his people know. To them as to no others, his grace he loves to show. For matchless grace and mercy, your grateful praises bring. To give him, to, to him give thanks forever, and hallelujahs sing. Dear congregation, brothers and sisters in the Lord, isn't this just, isn't this just an amazing gospel wonder ever to marvel at? And the more we marvel at it, the more we can be motivated in love and devotion to this God. We may, we may when saved by grace and, and living as Jesus' friends, doing his commandments, think of it, we may be part of Jesus' inner circle, his loving family, to whom the Savior delights to show and tell all God's heart. And, and his love towards us as planned and provided by God, all of grace from eternity past to eternity future. If anything should spur us on in holiness and diligent obedience to God our Savior, shouldn't this be primary? Seeing God's boundless love for us in and through Christ the Savior. But notice further, the text in its context, still speaking of fellowshipping with God triune as being involved and truly being Jesus' friends and living to his praise. Jesus tells us here not only of the joyful communion with himself, but likewise with God the Father. Verse 16. Verse 16, we should realize, is not about Jesus choosing disciples his disciples to be his apostles, no, but it speaks rather here of God's electing love. Sinners to save. Yes, the Lord makes a difference in believers' lives where there's no difference with us by nature from all around us, from the many remaining unsaved and still in their sin and and blindness. But God in Christ and Christ in God, together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, has chosen graciously to save a people. Chosen sovereignly, not for any reasons in any one of us, but all for reasons only from from within the Godhead. Yes, all to effectually call and regenerate a multitude of lost sinners which no man can number. And now think of it, that, that you and I should be among those called by God so that we too may be led by, to him in faith and repentance, and that we, we may learn whatever, whatever we may ask the Father in Jesus' name, he will give to us. Ha, what, what amazing grace to save wretches like you and me, and to so bless us and lead us in his love and care. Jesus mentions, doesn't he, it's because of God's choosing us that any one of us may be saved and be appointed to go and bear fruit to God's praise, and that that fruit should remain. That's of God, ultimately God the Father. It is all of God, and through God, and to God, and to Him alone be the glory. So when we understand this, and so fellowship also with God the Father in our, in our daily lives again, I mean, won't this urge us onward and 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 forward wholeheartedly and thankfully and most gladly so to live all out for God triune, the one and only Savior God, the God of sinners, the God of salvation for sinners in Christ Jesus. I mean, who can compare congregation to God the Father for us and to God the Savior with us? Trusting and obeying Him as 
not, is not only the greatest privilege in all the world, but it's, it's the highest pleasure and treasure ever, both for in this world and in the forever world to come. But there's still more involved in connection with fellowshipping with the triune God and so living to God's praise. And that is noticed from the last verses of the chapter that Jesus also tells us there of the communion and comfort of God, the supply of God, the Holy Spirit in us and, and with us, with his people, in all their ways and needs. Isn't that great? In the upper room, the night before Jesus was crucified, you can check it yourself. In the chapters 13 to 17, many times Jesus speaks about he and the Father sending the Holy Spirit as a comforter and the guide and the guard for his people. And notice, just verse 26 by itself, our text chapter, most interestingly, just that one verse also speaks of all three persons of the Holy Trinity. So being there for God's people, Jesus' friends, who are looking to live life ever keeping his commandments. Oh, the call to do this, so to live in all holiness and obedience is not something God leaves just up to ourselves. But rather, by his spirit and word, he will empower us. He will abide with us. He will lead us and encourage us and guide us in the Christian way of life as we regularly and routinely fellowship with him. How beautiful and powerful and exciting. Don't you think that God in Christ doesn't leave his people to themselves also after the Lord's Supper for us to live as Jesus' friends, doing whatever he commands? No, no. What would come of us? What would come of it if that was left up to ourselves? Nothing. Every true Christian knows and humbly confesses. But you see, in daily hearty fellowship with God triune, all we need every day and in all situations and responsibilities and cares and burdens, the Lord of hosts will supply us as triune Savior God. Yes, as God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Indeed, the very triune God in whose threefold name we also were baptized as covenant children or as new converts coming to the church from the world around us. What a complete God of salvation the Lord God is for us from start to finish. And this is, you see, what Jesus would have his disciples know and never to forget and so ever to look to God triune and to feed on him and to follow after him. So, being Jesus' friends, what's involved in living by his commandments is for one, thankful fellowship with God triune, all three divine persons. God the Father and his electing love. God the Son and his redeeming love. God the Spirit and his sanctifying, comforting love. We may look to him in our every need. Not only in becoming Jesus' friends, but also in flourishing and being fruitful to God's praise as his dear friends living here and now. And again, don't you agree with me? Isn't this just so tremendous, really? I found it tremendous as I studied this and, and this grew on me, as it were, the secret to lives all ablaze for God and good and holiness and doing whatever the Lord commands us is having our minds and hearts ever fixed on God triune and focused on Christ, the crucified and risen Savior, as revealed to us both in word and sacrament, as we are also experiencing it today. We notice from the text, however, that 
what else is involved in being Jesus' friends is also that we, that we expect opposition and persecution in this ungodly world. We should just realize that's going to happen. Let's not be shocked by that, but be, be, be prepared for that. In the verses 18 to 26, Jesus expands on this, and we can't go into detail on it, but he expands on it, doesn't he? Namely, how the, his friends loving Jesus and doing whatever he commands, they will be hated and despised and mistreated and maligned and discredited, just as happened to Jesus as well. Living by God's grace as godly, faithful Christians, upholding God's word and his holy commandments for us does not make us popular in this ungodly and wicked world. In our day, sadly, won't you agree with me? It's becoming increasingly clear, isn't it? How this world, blinded and hardened in sin, so willfully rejects God's commandments and wickedly scorns God's commandments and belittles those who still want to uphold them and seek to live and die by them. Dearly beloved, let's not be discouraged, however, even when living by God's commandments today may bring us persecution in one way or another in this post-Christian, sadly secular world. We should not be afraid to stand up for God's views on marriage and family and with gender issues and the Lord's Day, and every one of God's holy commandments, also in regards to the beginning and end of life. We are called to be faithful and steadfastly living according, according to God's unchanging good commandments for all mankind, even when this sin-sick world is out to reject and trample them all. Well, are you and I humbly committed to this, and sincerely encouraging each other in this holy calling and in our Christian witness? Are we showing ourselves to be strangers and pilgrims in this ungodly world? In the world, but not of it. For whom vanity fair is not our home and pleasure. Are you and I willing and ready to stand up for Jesus without compromise and when and where that is necessary while not looking for persecution, also not fearing it either, for his namesake. I read this week about a Christian agency, adoption agency in the States. I think it's Bethany something. Caving, caving now to the LBGTQ movement. And so now they're going to also give children that they have come across their paths to those kinds of homes they, they cave, they compromise. They're not upholding God's commandments anymore. Because they, the world is too enticing. We can't be friends of the world and friends of Jesus at the same time. When we are Jesus' friends doing what his commandments, what is involved is daily living in fellowship with God, God triune, and daily being ready and willing to suffer for the Lord's sake if called to that. Are we prayerfully and carefully committed, congregation, to always holding to God's word and will, though Satan and this evil world belittle and resist our testimony and witness and, and twist it and 
wherever are we committed wherever and whenever possible still to raise up God's banner as the norm for our lives and not what this evil world foolishly dictates as a better alternative. Is this you and me living in these perilous times as we do? God helping us to be faithful and true with all integrity and humility. Yes, but also with all boldness and confidence. And then something else, and a related point, surely, that the text shows us very clearly is involved in being Jesus' friends and doing what the Lord commands, and that is stated in verse 17, that we, that we love one another. Verse 12 as well, this is my commandment, that, that you love one another as I have loved you. You see, over and over, doesn't the Bible teach this for God's people? that we have true love to God and genuine, gracious, humble, gentle, generous love to our neighbors in spirit and truth and in word and deed. We know too, don't we, this is always and again the summary of all God's commandments, that we love God with all our heart and love our neighbor as ourselves. When you read through John 13 to 17, all spoken the same night before Jesus' crucifixion, it's amazing how often showing true love to God and to our neighbor is emphasized in word and deed by Jesus. How important that we listen to this too, congregation. You and I, we are to show love to others, even to our enemies, says Jesus to his disciples. Even as I have loved you, and as the Father has loved me, so you are to love one another. Wow, let's not miss this. Is it not forgotten too often? What is involved in being Jesus' friends is not only living in fellowship with God triune regularly, as wonderful as that may be, but it's also being willing to suffer for the gospel's sake, and, and then it's also that we, that we love one another. God's holy and unchanging commandment is that you and I love one another, especially, especially within the church. But, but also to those outside the church, around us. So many around us, whatever their background, whatever about anything about them. As Paul says in Romans 13, 8, Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. You know, a few weeks ago we had a sermon on the last verse and last seven words of the so-called Bible's love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Do you remember, any of you? And now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, the last seven words, but the greatest of these is love. Do our lives, yours and mine, reflect and relate also a humble and genuine Love towards others. Self-sacrificing love. Even with those who may disagree with. And even those who may hurt us and persecute us. When we are Jesus' friends and doing His commandments, doesn't the love of God above all else compel us in love to our neighbors to be always helpful and faithful, caring and praying towards those nearest to us and those all around us as God gives us opportunity for showing to them Christian Christ-like love time and again to one and all 
to God's praise and for our neighbor's well-being. When Jesus, friends, and living by whatever he commands, our lives are not absorbed just in ourselves and with ourselves and this world, but rather it's absorbed in God and in Christ and in others and how, how we might be a blessing to others in true Christian love to God's praise. Well, again, is this what is true of you and of me? Oh, it's true, isn't it, as I experienced this week again, with hearing different members of the church. You and I, we have, we have our work to do, and it can get so busy, so crazy busy. We work hard at school and in our jobs and in our homes every weekday and more. And you might well ask, then, how can we experience and reflect these three things involved in being Jesus' friends and doing whatever he commands us? Well, doesn't our text chapter show us the secret? Isn't it? always only by doing what Jesus says in the first part of John 15. That is, it's in the way of abiding in Christ and his word. Having your quiet time with God. Your heart brought in tune with God every day again through his word and spirit. Having Christ and his word abiding in us, you and me. The more our minds and hearts live in tune with God triune as revealed to us in and through Christ and his word, the more we become enamored with him and his word and the more we want to relate and reflect being Jesus' friends and how it shows and what it involves. Can we not say here too, this is the great blessing of the Lord's Supper, isn't it also, when partaken of in true faith. God is so gracious that he, he wants to help us glory in Him so that we might live for Him. So He gives the Lord's Supper to make us more mindful, more joyful, more hopeful, more purposeful in Christ the Savior. I, I said to myself in preparing this sermon, truly, the more, the more I am and the more we are focused on John 15, 13, the more we will demonstrate John 15, 14. If John 15, 14 is separated from John 15, 13, or even if the texts are reversed in order, then all we do is build and be busy in our own strengths. And we accomplish nothing really, but that which will collapse and decay away sooner than later. So let us thank the Lord for his word and sacrament today, again drawing us to the heart of the gospel, which is always the foundation and the motivation and the resource for all true truly living to God's praise and glory and for our neighbor's good in our brief time for each one of us here on earth. Truly then, congregation, being Jesus' friends and doing whatever he commands us in our lives also becomes filled with untold blessings. Our third point yet briefly. Jesus mentioned living as he directs us and enables us. We begin to bear fruit to God's praise and glory. And Jesus says, in fact, it's fruit that remains, verse 16. Jesus is teaching here, isn't he, that those who fear and love the Lord in this life, they are among, they are among the only people who are most truly blessed themselves. Yes, richly so even, with the peace and the joy and, and the wisdom and the strength of God, ever directing and comforting and upholding us in all our ways. But furthermore also, and only then think of it, what a blessing we also become to all others around us 
in the home and in church and, and at school and in our workplaces and in our communities and indeed in the whole wide world, both with those nearby and those far away. You can check this out for yourself. Always, always, whenever and wherever God's people saved by grace are living as Jesus' friends, doing whatever he commands us, oh, it does untold good in so many ways, more than any one of us can tell. On the other hand, when people live as enemies of God and despisers of Jesus and his gospel word and his holy commandments, oh, just look around and behold the chaos and the crime and the ruin and the dismay and hurt and destruction and ugliness and confusion that results. Blessed and truly a blessing is the man who fears and loves the Lord and walks in his ways. On the contrary, however, the way of transgressors is hard and just spreading poisonous, blind hatred and horrible injustice and strife and shameful wickedness and dark ignorance on every front. We see it so clearly around us, just watching the news. And we find it in the Bible clearly too, don't we? And repeatedly. If we walk God's ways, it promotes peace. And prosperity. We walk our own ways. It promotes hatred, division, destruction, and trouble. We don't need to look for. We don't need to look far in our present perilous times to know this is absolutely true. Yet, most sadly, every generation by nature just doesn't seem to get this, and we know stubbornly refuses to admit this. Every generation needs to be born again to see this and to become Jesus' friends. And when we are Jesus' friends, we know and experience already in this life, it brings, yes, untold blessings. And then think too of, of, of the eternal blessings to come for all God's friends in Christ Jesus. Those endless joys and privileges and everlasting blessings for all who belong to the Savior and do whatever He commands and pray truly and steadfastly so to live and die. God helping them every step of the way by his spirit and word. Oh, what treasures and pleasures awaits God's redeemed people, all Jesus' friends for whom he gave his life and who dedicate their lives here and now for the Lord and his word. What awaits us is eternal life with God in the new heavens and earth where, where there's no more sin and no more sorrow, no more tears, no more death or anything alarming ever again. Each Lord's Day and each Lord's Supper feast is promising God's people the day of eternal rest and joy in everlasting peace in soul and body, forever with God and Jesus and all the redeemed in the new heavens and earth where there will be unending gladness and never again any sadness. How tragic, infinitely tragic and bad, however, when people reject this Christ, the most gracious and glorious only Savior of sinners, being their most true friend forevermore for all who call on him, and especially how sorrowful when people, when people who have the Jesus of the Scriptures as their friend, above all friends, when they've been raised with him, taught about him, and maybe even confessed him, but then, then turn back from him and refuse to do whatever he commands. You know, Judas Iscariot was one of those taught by Jesus 
loved by Jesus, trained by Jesus, but he scorned Jesus and rejected Jesus, betraying him when coming with the mob to arrest Jesus, betraying him even with a kiss. And we read, Jesus still called him even then a friend, according to Matthew 26, 50. But Judas would have none of it. Judas Iscariot. And the result was that same night, Jesus said about him, it would have been better for him never to have been born. Matthew 26, 24. If we or anyone rejects Christ as the friend of sinners, as he offers himself for all, oh, then the Bible says, hell is our everlasting portion where, where no one will find himself among friends, but only with enemies and with no escape therefrom. Never, ever. Imagine being in a, in, in a prison cell like a pit only with enemies hating you and never, ever, ever able to get out. The Bible teaches us in solemn, earnest warning, all who come there in that place experience only eternal, never-ending weeping and gnashing of teeth. May none of us end up there. Oh, I pray not. God forbid. And I tell you, Jesus, the friend of sinners, he says so too. Come to him. Receive life from him. And he will bring you to heaven. And he will help you all your life through here on earth. Even so, congregation, let us hear once more the two texts for today, one and all. And may God, by his Spirit, so feed and encourage us, every believer here, with his word. And those not yet saved, have his word serve as a seed of regeneration. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. This is the heart of the Christian gospel message. And here is the Christian gospel calling. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. If you love me, keep my commandments. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Yes, also here today, with word and sacrament. And to him be the glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, the friend of sinners. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. You are a real friend of sinners. You so want to build up your people in the faith and in the way of faithfulness. And you show us the way. It's never by depending on ourselves and building our own foundation, but ever looking to that foundation built by Christ himself. Oh, Lord, help us to build our life on the rock of Christ. And then we shall know the joy and the comfort of the Lord, and then we shall also live in all godliness and do whatever he commands, not by our own power, but by your power, through your spirit. Lord, help us not to be afraid for persecution. Keep us from compromise with this wicked world. Help us to hold to the truths of your word, we can't trust ourselves, Lord, so please, will you take care of us? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we know you will. Word and sacrament also guarantees it to us. 
as we ever look to Jesus, the friend of sinners. Lord, bless us now as we leave from here this week. You gave us a special feast day, and now we have a new week, and we don't know what the week will bring. We know the devil will be there, and we know there can be maybe difficult difficulties that come our way, but whatever, Lord, help us to trust you and to look to you as the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, we pray for the history of this church. Thank you for the brothers. Please be with the elders and as they in the next two weeks also lead the services here. Help them and, and help us as congregation to know and to experience. It's not, it's not the messenger ever that, that gives reason for any success or blessing on the word. It's, it's, it's the word itself, by the Spirit. And so, Lord, bless the word as, as it is brought also from this pulpit, whoever brings it. And, Lord, we pray that this church may one day be filled with many worshipers. Please help that the, that the pandemic may go away and that, and that things may be restored, not in a way that we, we continue in sin, but in a way that we live our lives all out for you knowing that life is short and that we be prepared for the life to come. Oh, hear us. Forgive all our sin, even in our most holy activities today. And remember us in mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.